Good afternoon, my conscious co-creators. Welcome to another edition of the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. I am very, very pleased that you are here with me today. Oh, we've got another great show in store for you. A little bit of a surprise, a little bit of a deviation from the type of people we've been talking to lately, but um, a topic that is very near and dear to my heart, and I will be introducing my guest shortly. First, of course, as usual, our quotes of the day from the universe and from Abraham. I know you've been anxiously awaiting these quotes all week long. Let's see what the universe and Abraham have in store for us today. Of course, you know, they're always perfect for whatever the show happens to be about. So let's get to it. From the universe. If only you knew just how incredibly, wonderfully close you already are to all that your heart desires, you'd be even closer. If that's possible, as you were, the universe, ah, the universe having a little bit of fun with us today, trying to remind us how close we really are to our hopes and dreams. So let's see what Abraham has in store for us today. How do you ever get to the truth to be more than the way you want it to be? You've just got to start beating the drums of truth the way you want it to be. And when you do, you will immediately feel good. And there are those who might say, oh, you're not facing the fact. And we say we would never face any fact that was taking us to a place we don't want to be. Abraham. So quite an interesting quote, and I know this is one of the things that Abraham tends to get a little bit of uh, 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 a grief on or, or, or a little bit of, of resistance with the idea of not facing the truth, of not facing reality, and that what we really should be facing or paying attention to or putting our energy towards is the way we want them to be. And Abraham says this all the time because by facing the truth, what are we really doing? We're just giving it that much more energy. We're just keeping the way things are that much more static, that much more here in, in our realities. But if we put our attention towards the way we want things to be, the way we dream things to be, to our hopes, our goals, our desires, and we look at those as those being the reality, that's how you shift your life. That's how you shift your experiences. That's how you shift your relationships, your business, your health. That's how you shift everything. Because as long as you keep saying, well, this is the way it is, and you know, this is the truth, it will remain the truth, and it will stay that way. And the only way anything ever changes is by us changing our perspective, changing what we're focusing on, changing where we're really looking towards. And I think this is one of the things I believe in this very deeply. And it's one of those teachings that Abraham has that was a bit controversial, um, but to me makes tremendous, tremendous sense. So two wonderful, wonderful quotes from the universe and from Abraham. You know, just realizing like we're so close. We're so, so close to having Everything that we really want, really, all does it really take, as Abraham reminds us, just a shift in what we pay attention to, a shift in the story we tell, a shift in what it is that we want and making that our reality. So I hope you, of course, like our quotes of the day today. We'll have more for you next week. And as I said, they're always so apropos. And I swear I don't plan these out. I really do just get these in my inbox every morning. But they're always so perfect for our guests. And our guest today is Bob Henry, who is the founder and principal of the internationally renowned architectural firm Robert D. Henry Architects. He's been called the sensuous architect of serenity for his unique award-winning architectural style and design philosophy. In 2007, Bob was inducted into the Hospitality Design's Platinum Circle as Designer of the Year in honor of his lifetime achievements in producing hospitality projects that elicit an empirical experience for its visitors by incorporating the use of the five senses in his design. Sight, smell, taste, touch, and sound. Robert D. Henry Architects were established as a full-service firm offering interior design, architecture, planning, and branding identity in the um, real estate world. 
Welcome to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Bob. <laughs> Thanks, Sam. Thanks so much for inviting me today. Oh, it's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. You know, sustainability and, and design is, is really a, a passion of mine, um, you know, because as many of my listeners know, I do have a little bit of a background in real estate and I took my lumps and, <laughs> and uh, learned quite a bit. But uh, really what excited me most about the whole field of architecture and, and real estate was this idea th- of what a difference we can make in our environment. So I'm, I'm just uh, curious, Bob, did you know at a fairly young age that you wanted to like build things and be an architect? You know, that's a, that's a great question. I really didn't, Sam. It, I had a high school teacher um, who was very instrumental in my life, and she made... Um, a weekend for each of her students, and in my case, she took me to Chicago on a walking tour of Frank Lloyd Wright's architecture and interior design, and that was a transformative experience. I I come from a very humble background, you know, mm. and just walking through his architecture, which was very organic, it created a difference. I mean, I could, I could feel it viscerally, you know, and uh, he was sort of known as being this humanist, right, that, right. that created all these extraordinary spaces that basically enhanced each of the activities that took place there. So to see like his children's playroom or a dining space, I was like, I've just never seen anything like that. Was there something like in particular about the spaces that really stuck out at you? Was there, you know, something, a particular design element Uh, or just a way it was put together that really did something for you? Absolutely. They were so intimate. Of course, it might have helped that he was only five foot eight inches tall, (laughs) but you know, uh, beyond that, I mean, he really integrated design and made it experiential. Uh. So the scale was 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 very almost like haute couture, right? Fit you Mm -hmm. and fit the activity and the people like a glove. But it was more than that. He really integrated the senses. So his choice of materials, its resonance, its feel, its touch. Uh, its smell, the way he worked with fireplaces, water elements. <clears throat> he was really a, a humanist and a genius in terms of yeah. creating what I call experiential design now. Yeah. And he's been like just a tremendous force uh, in terms of the way we design and think about architecture and interior design. Uh, so it was really kind of like his sense of how people fit into the space i guess you would say it's like the relationship of the person to the room not just sort of the design of the building or the room itself you just nailed it like fit in that was so important to him it wasn't abstract like a lot of architectures today can be maybe aggressive or sculptural and and rather abstract and obtuse this stuff just made you feel good you know, and it wasn't something that people could necessarily even describe or, or understand or talk about. It was this experience that you had right. when you moved through the spaces. You know, what's better than that? Right, right. It's kind of like when it's just part of the design, part of the whole structure of it, you kind of feel it without it like drawing a lot of attention to itself. You didn't have to read about it. It wasn't an intellectual exercise. It was very powerful and just gripped you uh, and addressed all your senses. I mean, it was surround sound, you know, it was really fun for me, you know, as a, a teenager to just experience that. So that was it. When, when she saw us out, you were hooked. You were like, that's <laughs> it. I know what I'm going to school for. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm curious when you first got out of college, because I, I actually took one like summer course in architecture at Columbia. Yeah. And it was what was great was the instructors took the class on the Circle Line tour around Manhattan. Oh, fantastic. And so you, like you saw all the buildings as you're walking past and they point out all the stuff. And I loved it. It was fascinating. But I was like lousy at like building little models and stuff, <laughs> and everybody else was so much better. So I was like, I love the idea, but it's it's I'm not for me. But when you first got out into the field, because I know that when you start off in the industry as an architect, you're usually doing stairwells and bathrooms. <laughs> so for you, you know, like that initial experience, were you ever at all sort of discouraged and like we're thinking, you know, do I really want to be an architect and do this crap for years? <laughs> <laughs> well, there, there's no question the profession is uh, really, really challenging. I mean, just the education process, it's a full minimum eight years, and then you have an apprenticeship. 
So it's sort of grueling in that apprenticeship period, you know, is uh, it's um, a pursuit you know, of uh, you just absolutely have to love to do it. Right. There's so right. many uh, financial challenges. Uh, artistic right. challenges. Right, architects don't make much at n- all. In the no, beginning. no. Uh, but hopefully, you know, there's there's the wealth of creating things that people yeah. really enjoy. I mean, you know, that's the currency. If if people really react to the spaces mm. and even leave a bit, you know, transformed is a very strong word, but engaged, you know, at right, least. Right. Um, and and we strive to do that now. So, yeah. so is that kind of what kept you going during those grueling years? Yeah, absolutely. It's just <laughs> once you get the taste of someone experiencing your work right. um, and you s- have made a difference potentially right. in their lives on whatever level it might be a, in the working world or as a family uh, or helping people relax now um, in this nanosecond stressed out world, if I can help right. people really relax, right. they get more clarity, more vitality, more vigor. That's that's right, a great thing. Right. Very exciting. Did you start off doing residential projects in the beginning of your career or more commercial projects? You know, um, worked with a number of different firms that were doing residential, then larger firms in New York that were doing commercial. Mm. And um, I would say what's interesting, it was the more hospitality in the residential projects, uh, you know, okay. similar to right once again, where you could imbue that humanist kind of touch or experience uh, and address okay. a lot of the senses and that's what that's what really just clicked in, you know, oh, and, and, and so that was almost an expectation with that kind of architecture. I see. So so your roots in sort of designing for the hospitality industry run pretty deep in your career. Yes. Yes. Wow. Okay. And it's cool. Interesting now the residential informs the hotel hospitality industry and we have many clients now coming to us because they've been at a spa or a hotel resort mm-hmm. and they want to bring some of that character. Uh, not in a oh. visit, but to integrate it into their lives on a daily oh, basis. So interesting. it's fascinating interesting. how there's this big exchange and crossover. I see. I see. And so, um, do you? Uh, just curiously, before we go to break, uh, do you remember the very first project, hospitality project you worked on? Hmm. You know, um, we we did sort of two that are very polar opposite. Uh, we worked with uh, Donald Trump. Uh, oh. bef- before he had the apprentice uh-huh. in, in his in his humbler uh, period <laughs> and worked with him on the Mar-a-Lago estate, which was a private club for him. Oh, and yeah. we had a chance to do a spot for him. And it's his wife who really said, hey, if you're going to do this club, you know, us ladies get a little bored hanging out the, the, and like playing a, golf and all the dinners. You better do a, a spa for us. And he didn't know what it was. And that was back when he was married to Ivana or, or uh, afterwards? No, that was Marla Maples. Oh, actually. when he was with yeah. Marla Maples. Okay. So <laughs> um, very interesting. We did that project. And then we did for uh, Carmody Pasquale in Parsippany, New Jersey, this, this very large day spa. Oh. And so it couldn't be more different in terms of the uh, segment groups, right? I see, very yeah. upscale versus, gotcha. you know, very uh, affordable, you know, kind of experience. And um, both were successful. So that's sort of like what put us on the map within the wellness industry. Great, great. Yeah, so that, that kind of, I guess, helped you to have a lot of that flexibility of being able to go from like one very high-end, very she-she kind of place to, uh, you know, something more moderate and, and more, I don't know, day-to-day. Yeah, exactly. Great, great. Okay, so it's time for us to take our first commercial break. Let's go to break, and when we come back, I want to start talking a little bit about sort of sustainability and wellness and how that kind of got into your work and, and, you know, what is, is it for people to learn about this kind of stuff. So everybody, please stay tuned. You're listening to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. My guest this hour is Bob Henry, and we will be right back. listening to the Talking Alternative Network. What are the latest travel trends? 
How can travel be a part of your overall health and wellness plan? This is William Paris, lifestyle travel consultant and your host on Travel and Wellness Today. Join me on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time for travel chat, travel tips, and travel news updates. That's on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Are you stuck in your business or career? Trying to take your business to the next level and it keeps hitting a wall? This is Sam Leibowitz, the Conscious Consultant. I will help you get to the root cause of your abundance issues and help move you forward in your life. Call me now and let's create the future you dream of. 212-721-8183. That's 212-721-8183. The Conscious Consultant, helping conscious people be better business people. TalkingAlternative.com Welcome back to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. I'm your host, Sam Leibowitz, and we're talking with architect and designer Bob Henry. Um, so, Bob, we talked a lot about your, your kind of background and how you got into architecture and, and working a lot on the hospitality side of things. So I'm curious, at what point did sort of this idea of sustainability and wellness creep into your work? Well, it's interesting with the success of those spas, it just sort of dovetailed into a whole wellness perspective ah, so okay. i mean there you're trying to de-stress people make a difference in their lives so it only made sense that the architecture the interiors the environment sort of reinforce that wellness right. so that's one key aspect is to take the physical containers and just make them healthier environments uh, very important so uh, about what, I'm, I'm just curious, like the timing of it, about what year would you say that you started really to looking into um, bringing that more more and more into the design? It was, a, it was about 15 years ago. Wow, and, and so first, you know, early on. You can imagine that uh, people didn't even know what a spa was 18 years ago. There were about <laughs> three or four of them in the U.S., right? Right. And uh, they referred to me as spa boy, so I was like a fish out of water to begin with. But uh, it was this whole aspect of like, okay, we can we can try to create uh, this de-stressing situation, but then how do we get the environment to do the same and actually enhance it and go from what was often sick environments that were designed mm. uh, more with a lack of knowledge in terms of like VOCs, right. volatile organic compounds that work against your immune system, right? Right. <clears throat> Right. And to begin to create something that really enhanced the activities of wellness uh, and created healthy buildings. Right, right. Because, you know, over the, I mean, we just didn't know that much back then. And over the years, they've done more and more research and we understand the outgassing of toxic materials. And, and, and not only that, but also considering the impact on the environment, like how far you're shipping the materials Absolutely. from. Absolutely. So, so what were some of the first things, elements that you started integrating into your designs that, um, to, to recognize that fact and to work with it? Well, it, it's interesting. If you start to source things a little bit more locally, right. there was a time when you know, we all as Americans looked to our European precedents and designers and architects and materials as that right. was very exotic and beautiful. And then we started to realize, well, what do we have here at home? What's in America? What's uh, local like Vermont stone right. or, 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 or different materials like uh, sustainable, let's say, redwood product from the U.S., you know, mm. things that were more local. And therefore, if you could sort of harvest and, and replenish these materials, 
use local, there would be less shipping, less effort. Right. There should be more economy in the whole process. Right, right, so right. I think um, that's really like farm to table um, for the restaurant industry. Right. We would say more of a, a local source of material, technology, and really understanding mm-hmm. uh, the specialness of place. Gotcha. You know, that's... Uh, and, and, and what about, other than on the material side, what about on the design side? Like, you know, I, I guess what kinds of elements on the design side uh, kind of relate to that sustainability and, and health? Sure, fantastic. I mean, this is so simple, and it was something I was exposed to uh, when at the University of Illinois in Chicago, and we had a professor there that really understood site design. All right? Uh, You've got nature, work with nature. Right. right. And, right, and, right. and just the whole transition and path of the sun. I mean, the reason that these overhangs and eaves exist is to basically protect during the hot summer months the sun from infiltrating into the interior and heating right. it up. Right. So you create those eaves that correspond to uh, the, the path of the sun, locating certain uh, design features or activities, let's say a breakfast room, so you're getting the morning sun. Mm-hmm. Uh, just taking into consideration those paths, natural breezes, and just really looking at how physics works with heat and how it rises. Right, Simple right. Um, passive means of like using uh, fans to to pull up the heat air and exhaust it out of higher windows clear right, story right, windows right. i mean it's so simple and, you were and, and even doing it here i noticed you know we're yeah. just operable windows and and working with the natural aspects right uh, and, and and i recall like talking to somebody once about even like the position of the building, whether it's facing north, south, or east, west, and looking at how the winds normally blow, that I remember somebody told me he had designed a house that just, like north, south, because that's the way the winds blew, and if they opened the windows on the north and south side, that there was a constant breeze through, they almost never needed to use air conditioning. Fantastic. So, what you're, you know, what's wonderful is you're just sort of describing a sensitivity that, once again, if you're a more of an abstract architect, um, you, you might be less concerned with that. But if you have that right. sensitivity for the environment right. and the location and the position right. of the site, um, it's natural cycles and working with it instead of against it. I mean, it's right. it's really about a sensitivity on all fronts, if you will. Right. And, and you really have to kind of, uh, I would assume, sort of change your mindset from what you're typically taught in school uh, to be sort of more f- holistically focused which, which I which my understanding is you know architects aren't usually trained that way necessarily interesting that you mentioned that there are now classes and universities who really are celebrating and focusing on sustainability mm. on green practices and really it's great. it's part of their classes and uh, it's a requisite. So right. fantastic. You know, it, uh, sometimes these wonderful ideas take a little time for that gestation period and catch hold. Right. But now there are a lot of specific universities that make that their point of distinction. So wonderful. fantastic. Well, what have been some of the changes in the industry on this sort of sustainability and wellness side that have gotten you really excited in the last, I don't know, five, 10 years? Well, I, I would say when. Um, architects, designers work with clients that have the sustainability as a mandate. They are making decisions accordingly, right? They're choosing their design professional. They want to create a building that's more sustainable, that has less of an impact on the environment and and, and potentially gives back and gives back to people. Uh, You know, all the the users, uh, the clients of of buildings. So right, right. that's just been a huge boon for the interest. So when they're voting with their pocketbooks to choose a designer and a building type and maybe spend a little extra money if they can get within three years a return on the energy savings. Right. Wow. Right. They're, 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 they're affecting these changes. And, and uh, what do you think of, of sort of this lead building standard and, and sort of the, the re- prerequisites that they put into being able to be 
called a lead building? I think the lead certification is a is a extremely wonderful and and good first step. It's very interesting. A lot of our our European uh, architects designers have taken that further. Um, uh, there are going to be enhancements and different uh, organizations that are creating their own green standards and guidelines. Uh, okay. So, uh, but it was such a pivotal and important starting point. And, um, you know, there are all good criteria in terms of achieving those different status uh, and they're being celebrated. And it's once again making a difference, not only um, as a name on the building, but in terms of the quality of life for its inhabitants. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I I thought it was great. What you said is that it's a great starting point. Right. And, and I think that's the key thing for people to think of is it's a great starting point, but that's not where you end necessarily, that there's a lot of great stuff there, but there can be even more. I, I, I met when, back in my real estate days a gentleman who was an old boiler guy, you know, he, hmm. like, and, and he looked at things from a very different perspective, and he was very critical. He actually wrote this long essay critical of the lead standard hmm. because, and, and, and what he said was is that, it, it doesn't take into account how the different trades don't talk to each other. Mm. Like that was his biggest complaint was that the different trades, the, the electrical guys weren't talking to the plumbing guys who weren't talking to the guys who were installing the solar panels and that all kinds of inefficiencies and mistakes were being made as the buildings were going up because people didn't really work together truly as a team. And the interesting part, he said, the reason why though... Mm. The change never happened was because it was about um, accountability, that they didn't one trade did not want to be responsible for anything that another trade did. So to kind of so they were all kind of in their own separate fiefdoms and it was very hard to get them to work together. Have have you seen that yourself in projects? Uh, That's it's a classic breakdown. And um, it's sort of a a bane to uh, the industry's existence. Now, um, I mean, it's coming out of the medical field, but we're trying to take a more integrative approach. So you're absolutely right. Yeah. You know, it's fantastic when the owners or the, the architects, designers, uh, the conductors basically share the vision with the entire team. Right. 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 And everybody is on the same page. Right. The engineers, the builders, the owner, all the different consultants are basically working with the intent of right. trying to create a... Um, a more sustainable project, right. you know, and, and you actually, it's best when you can drill down and give six examples or six credos that we're going to really strive for on that project mm-hmm. and get everyone on the same page regarding that. Right, uh, right, really, to, to make it, you know, really make it more about the end result in the overall project and not about any one per person's per. individual piece of it, but really how does it all come together and, and what is the real experience for the end user? You know, sometimes I think we tend to forget that, you know, we're doing this for the end user and, and sometimes lose sight of that. Absolutely. So it's it's that humanist perspective, again, that I keep right. coming back to, right. you know, uh, more of a holistic approach. Right. Um, and instead of uh, there's no longer the single ego, it's 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 a collective ego at best. Right. Right. <laughs> right, right. OK. Wonderful. Wonderful. OK. It's time for us to take another commercial break. If anyone out there would like to call in and ask your own questions of Bob or myself, please feel free to call in. Our call in number is 877-480-4120. You're listening to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Are you on a path of consciousness or spirit? Is personal or spiritual empowerment important to you? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your conscious consultant. And I am here to answer your questions and bring you experts in all areas of life to raise your awareness and support you in your evolution. 
Tune in at my new time, Mondays at 1 p.m. Eastern on www.talkradio.nyc. That's Mondays at 1 p.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. I'm the aptly named host of Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio, big nonprofit ideas for the other 95%. Fundraising, board relations, social media. My guests and I cover everything that small and mid-sized shops struggle with. If you have big dreams and a small budget, you have a home at Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio. Fridays, 1 to 2 Eastern at TalkingAlternative.com. Have you ever considered consulting a roadmap when you feel you need help getting to your destination? When the normal path seems blocked, a little help can come in handy when choosing an alternate route. Your natal chart is a map of your potentials. It addresses relationships, finance, business, health, and above all, creativity. Current planetary cycles can either support or challenge your objectives. I'm Montgomery Taylor. If you would like to explore the help of a private astrological reading, please contact me at Monty at MontyTaylor.com. That's Monty, M-O-N-T-Y, at MontyTaylor.com. Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. Welcome back. You're listening to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, and we're talking with sustainable architect Bob Henry today. So, Bob, we've talked about like a lot of things of, of what goes into making something sustainable, everything from, you know, keeping in mind nature and what's going on around the outside to to even the materials that you use. Um, but there's often a, a problem that develops sort of after the design is done, isn't there? Uh, yes, uh, there can be. Yeah, there can be, yes. So sustainable should be sustainable, correct? Correct, <laughs> correct. It's like once something is healthy, it should stay healthy, right? <laughs> That's right. There was a fantastic project in Paris where a lot of money was spent <coughs> on a southern-facing facade, a very large glass building. Uh-huh. And it had almost these apertures that would open and close depending on the light levels. Brilliant really? technology, fantastic wow. idea, right? Right. Almost like that camera lens. Unfortunately, um, this was new technology, and they didn't realize the expense that was going to be required in terms of maintaining that. Ah, so even okay. though that system was put in place, it was magical. It really performed. Right. It was uh, celebrated in the architectural media. Unfortunately, after a few years, it became very, very costly in terms of these voltaic kind of cells. And, ah, uh, the photovoltaic cells. Yeah, it, that is, they had a really, they needed a budget. They needed a budget to maintain the technology. So, you know, having that full circle, larger, long-term perspective in terms of maintaining this, and a great, another example would be a green wall today. Right. Um, right. But realizing that there is going to be some uh, investment and requirements in terms of maintaining that environment. So being realistic about that, sharing that early on with ownership and having them buy in and be aware of it, very important. Right, and and isn't that why, I guess in the LEED standard, you have points for different things and that there's actually, in order to to be LEED certified, one of those points is around education, isn't it? Education is extremely important. It's the beginning, I think, for affecting all types of monumental change and that has to do with just you know sharing some of these ideas it's amazing how many people get very very excited about just these green technologies and and methods um so sharing that information educating um not only clients but uh building managers and having everybody on board in terms of a maintenance kind of situation and program uh very important so, so let's say I just had my house redone and I want. I told the architect and the builder I wanted things to be more sustainable. I want it to be more green. They've done it. And, and now after the fact, now I have it. What are some of the things I should keep in mind that can help me to keep it sustainable? Hmm. 
I think that after you've made that initial investment, then it's there is a certain amount of maintenance that's going to be required. Um, yeah, and yeah, I can you give the audience just like some idea of like a, a typical example? I mean, I don't know if there aren't typical examples. Like, you know, if I have solar panels or uh, I've done something sustainable with um, uh, heat exchangers or something, like what's some of the maintenance I need to consider? Well, let's just say uh, a green roof. Okay, um, green roof. You know, I mean, that's a very living, viable condition. Right. Um, you really have to, you know, uh, check in and, and have systems in place. You know, overwatering or underwatering could be right. very problematic, as you can imagine. Uh, look what right. California is going through, a real drought right now. Right. So, you know, it's, 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 it's once again, that sensitivity uh, hopefully that you bring to the project, realize you're making more than uh, just an initial commitment, but you're th- it's the follow-through. Right, right, right. So uh, actually, it's interesting you brought up green roofs. I love that idea. I wanted to ask you something about that. When it comes to a green roof, right, here in New York City, we have some pretty harsh winters, right. so people don't really necessarily think, well, green roofs, I mean, are they enclosed? Are they greenhouses? And normally green roofs are kind of open and out there. Mm-hmm. So that's something that's going to take work and, and effort and maintenance every single year that's that's very true and in like our environment um let's see uh uh barclay center very beautiful mm, building right? right they have uh, about three quarters of that roof is green um and you know they have to periodically i mean every year they have to go back in and touch it up uh ah. have to be replaced i mean it's it's there's a certain amount of involvement that has to that's interesting. I was just in Brooklyn the other weekend. Did you and see the building? I walked past it, yeah. yeah it's and, and I saw, like, they still had, I thought maybe, did they not finish it yet? Because they still had cranes with, with um, lifting things up or placing things on the roof. So I guess maybe they were replacing something. There's some maintenance there. There's a lot of construction yeah. in around that location. So it might have been for another project. No, no, no. It was for the, bu- oh, okay. it was the building itself, which, which kind of was because I was like, they finished this building. Already. <laughs> um, okay, yeah. So, so yeah, there's that maintenance and, and re- replacing things. Um, and, and what about sort of in the interior? Like, let's say I just have an apartment, like not a house. Maybe it's just an apartment. Hmm. And now I have uh, what would be like some of the materials <laughs> that that are more sustainable that now I and mean, how would I care for those materials? Well, interesting in terms of cleaning products right. um, there, you can bring a certain level of sensitivity in terms of our Absolutely. more natural and organic cleaning methods. Yeah, uh, Somebody once told me the most toxic things we do is clean our house. <laughs> <laughs> well, with some of the materials that are being used. Yeah. Absolutely. It's like my children still read the back of packages there are certain things that you know are uh, highly toxic yeah you know in terms of cleaning materials and you really have to be careful i mean when you know that you're getting lightheaded just trying to clean uh tile tile cleaner for instance is, uh, is very high ammonia content things of that nature right, you know right. you, if it's if it's affecting mucous membranes and uh you know is mm. uh, compromising your immune system uh, let's yeah. find a more sensitive, <laughs> uh, sli- maybe slightly more expensive, but a better um, cleaner. It's, and sometimes the more simple, old-fashioned stuff works well too. Like I understand, like using vinegar in, oh. in, as as a cleaner is like a wonderful thing. That's absolutely true, isn't it? Yeah. And have you ever used like newspaper for cleaning glass and oh, just yeah. water? Yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, just natural newspaper, right? Yeah, it's funny. New, yeah, it works wonders. With all the different technologies now, you know, sometimes these technologies, they sound really great, but then when you implement them, they're, they're not so hot. Are there any of these new sort of sustainability technologies that you would warn people about that, that the hype might be a little bit more than the actual benefit from using them? Hmm. Um, I would say that the, the, the whole solar panel industry has gotten, you know, ah. it's going through these waves of yes. uh, viability and less viability. You know, I think um, they have made improvements in, in terms of the panel and panel design. Um, but sometimes the amount of area that's really required to make a difference is still a bit under dispute. Right, uh, right, right. But, yeah, th- I mean, there's, there's so many new technologies coming out. Um, it's sometimes uh, difficult to grapple with the amount of change, right? right? Yeah, so yeah. ideally you want a technology that's been in practice for a period of, of, of five to mm-hmm. ten years, is really viable, uh, 
shows and provides the science uh, in terms of its effectiveness, that's really important. Right, right. So something that's matured a bit. Um, yes. I, I'm kind of excited to see what will happen because I know they've gotten now these very these transparent sonar panels that they're trying to work into windows so that it's not like a separate thing. It's just part of your window. So that to me sounds pretty cool, but we have to see the, the actual viability of it. But, you know, one of the things I learned a while ago that I thought just really – I think it's just stupid here in the United States, uh -oh. I have to honestly say, because my sister lives in Israel, mm -hmm. and, and I go to visit her all the time, and when you go there, what do you see on the roofs? You see the hot water, you, you know, heaters, or the, the, the geo, what do they call, what do you call, um, sort of geothermal containers, or? Yeah, yeah, you, that uses sunlight to heat up the hot water. Brilliant. Now, now, granted that they have a lot more sunlight there, but it is like 0.3% or something have um, uh, this natural hot water heat, which even in places like New York where we get plenty of cloud cover and stuff, it can still offset your energy bill by so much. And it's such a simpler technology and, and, and it's mature and it's more of a plumbing thing than anything else. Like that's something that's mature, simple, and can have a tremendous impact. You know, even if you're saving, let's say, 30% on your hot water bill, I mean, that's huge. Yeah, that's that's fantastic. And we can't argue with that. I mean, we have to sort of share the science, you know, right. it, both in terms of different locations, the country are developing right. uh, or, or right. the planet are developing superior technologies depending on their climate. Right. Um, right. We just need to be mindful of what's appropriate in different locations and really amplify that where where it is effective. Right, right, right. And one, one of the things you talk about is is being evidence-based. So hmm. when you're trying to think about these different sustainable aspects of sustainability, whether it's te technology or materials or cleaning supplies, how do you apply this idea of being evidence-based um, to what you do? Evidence-based is coming out of the medical industry. And basically what we're saying is we want the research the science that really supports uh, a lot of these ideas or conjecture. Uh. So once you've got the science behind it, it's 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 rather hard to dispute, you know. Right. So that's basically just what you're talking about. Whether it be um, the water containers on the rooftop, you know, uh, solar collecting panels, you know, it's like w where is it really being effective? And show me the science. Gotcha, gotcha. So, no, it's to kind of make sure it's not just greenwashing. That just kind of sounds good, and it sounds like it's a sustainable practice, but but is not really. That's right. Um, and I also remember that um, uh, when, it, like, on the material side, like bamboo was like really hot for a while because everyone <laughs> said, "Oh, bamboo is a sustainable wood. It's actually a grass <laughs> and all this and that." But then they actually started using it, putting it into cabinets and floors, and they found like it was so soft it would get scratched and dinged and it, and it wasn't actually very viable once you lived with it uh very fascinating yes i mean it's a softer wood so i mean once again drilling down and sort of understanding the science in terms of the density of that product where it'd be really smart to use and where right. in terms of its durability like a floor in certain instances uh it's it's a little debatable. Right, so, right. you know, that's where that additional science comes in. And ideally, <clears throat> you start to weed out um, some of the enthusiasm, you know, for for some of this new technology. Right. So it's, it's, it's you know, kind of like they say, take everything with a grain of salt. That's right. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, learning what, what's the real benefits of things as opposed to the imagined benefits. That's right. Wonderful. Wonderful. Okay, time for us to take, believe it or not, our last commercial break of the show. So uh, when we come back, we'll get some parting thoughts and see what, what gets Bob Henry excited for the future in sustainable design. So everybody, please stay tuned. You're listening to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network.
Have you ever decided to reinvent yourself? Are you navigating a new life's journey? Are you an aspiring artist that's looking for direction? This is Kevin Barbaro, and my new show, Coffee Talk 3.0, is your new best friend. Tune in live to hear successful professional artists and their inspiring real-life adventures Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern, right here at TalkingAlternative.com. What are the latest travel trends? How can travel be a part of your overall health and wellness plan? This is William Paris, lifestyle travel consultant and your host on Travel and Wellness Today. Join me on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time for travel chat, travel tips, and travel news updates. That's on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Dude. 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 Transforming Tuesday nights from 8 to 9 p.m. Eastern on TalkingAlternative.com. It's the Dudes of Disruption. The Dudes of Disruption is a new show geared toward the global tribe of disruptors who are committed to interrupting the automatic ways of their lives so they go out and leave their mark on the world powerfully. Consider every Tuesday night, 8 to 9 Eastern on TalkingAlternative.com forever disrupted. The dudes of disruption, disrupting your automatics. Dude. Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. Welcome back to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. My guest this hour has been Bob Henry, architect extraordinaire and the sensuous architect of serenity. How did you get that title? <laughs> uh, well, I guess uh, doing spas and after uh, after Spa Boy didn't sound so good. <laughs> I <think> they, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they Spa got, Boy got, just <laughs> I got elevated, right? Yeah, then people started to understand what spas were. Uh, and um, so I was no longer, I, I guess, alone, a loner uh, out there. I'm curious, like recently, what has been the most challenging project for you to work on and, and you know, keeping in mind all of this sustainability and, and holistic approach towards stuff? Uh, it's interesting. I think the larger projects, just um, from the management perspective, we uh, often will vie for a smaller project where we can manage it, control it a little bit better, if you will. Control might not be a great word, but okay. it's just trying to holistically really maintain a quality uh quality right. control if you will so sometimes the logistics side of what you're doing is, is yeah the most difficult part and and bigger isn't better so uh, you know i mean it's also so important just to have a client who's an active participant they want right. this versus they're kicking and screaming each step of the way and really right. aren't believing in uh sustainable practices right so it's actually working with the client who who actually gets it and 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 is 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 really on board from the beginning i guess that's so helpful right, absolutely right. and and do you have anything exciting coming up that you're working on that you'd like to mention well it, it's interesting we're doing a very very large project talking about the complexity of large projects mm. out on governor's island and it's oh, for an italian cool. group uh-huh. who's bringing basically a european uh spa with indoor outdoor pools to Governor's Island, and they're going to be oh. an anchor, so it's going to revitalize uh, the island. And their positioning is one not to do sort of a frou frou spa, but make it accessible to the masses. You know, make oh. wellness accessible. It shouldn't be a luxury; it should be right. a necessity. So I love their positioning. Um, one would spend anywhere from fifty to seventy dollars for a full day rate. Um, and have access to all these pools, steam saunas, uh, a light lunch or breakfast, aperitivo. Nice. You know, I mean, it's a, it's just a, a wonderful positioning. Right and, right. and and so I like the whole social content of what they're striving for as gotcha. well. Gotcha. So it will be, I think, very educational, and it's 
for a broader cross-section of people. I love the idea of like my teenage uh, son and his girlfriend going there, mm -hmm. you know, and sort of learning about this kind of, you know, as, as a first date, if you will, you know, right, just right. it's it's more of a social kind of condition and wellness right. uh, to be shared wow. and enjoyed collectively. Wonderful. I think it's a good idea. I, I know there's like um, a sculpture uh it's a event that happens, I think, in June or July on Governor's Island every year. So, and and I went there once with my wife, and it's just so many people came out for it. It was amazing. Yes. So it'll be interesting to see what happens when you start having more things like that on Governor's Island. And uh, uh, tell me, with all that you've learned over the years, um, how has it changed, like how you live in your own house? Hmm. That's fascinating. Well, first of all, I'd say, you know, I've had probably 300 uh, massage and, and, and body treatments. Oh, I'm um, so jealous. Yeah, <laughs> right. Uh, but what's fascinating is with my children, when they were born, I massaged them, you know, first uh, uh. couple weeks of their lives. And it supposedly develops more of a sociability uh, within really? the children. Yeah. Oh, so, I mean, that okay. whole aspect of just touching um is is not a foreign thing to them right, if my right. my son who's now a football player right i mean he's a tough kid but he'll say you know Mom, i need i need a massage so they oh, they understand they've integrated wow. this softer side if you will Wonderful. Uh, and they the education once again their 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 aunt is a, a nutritionist they read mm. labels they sort of know what's good for them i'm wow. so excited about this next generation beyond the millennials it's the x y and z group who are really integrating all this stuff into their lives so anything that i'm even doing that's unhealthy like god forbid ice cream you know in the <laughs> evening right, <laughs> right. Come on, that's not going to work well dad with sugar yeah. it's going to you know keep you hyper and awake at night you know they're just more informed i'm really excited about nah, that they're really on top of things yeah it's, it's, this it's is the x y and z generation <laughs> what's the birth year for those Wow, is I would it say it's uh, <laughs> like two, two thousand plus. Yes. Oh, yeah. okay. Okay. Yeah, cool. I think you're going a decade, you know, for each two thousand, two thousand ten. Ah, gotcha. <laughs> gotcha. Um, is there anything that? Well, let me ask you this first. What do you think is the biggest challenge that your industry faces at the moment? Oh, I think uh, we need uh, more of collective participant. You know, we mm. look at uh, China, for instance. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, right now I think it's starting to affect their tourism, so they're having to sit back and take notice. The, the air pollution, quality there. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, we did a project there, and on the wellness side, we created these salt chambers that are fantastic for bronchial system, great for the, the, uh, the okay. adverse air quality that exists there. Right. So it's sort of like bringing what's needed to that location. Right. But we hope that we can get the big offenders on board yeah, realize yeah. that, wow, it's going to affect their tourism, their bottom line. So we all collectively have to approach this together. Right. And I know we're all in different places and points in terms of uh, growth, yeah. sustainability practices, but just beginning to embrace them mm. and have the plans that are being uh, offered up uh, cool. by the various governments. Yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's. I'm very hopeful there. Cool, very cool. And and what excites you about the future? Uh, just the younger people, and they're they're much more informed, and they're going to really uh, affect the change. Cool. You know, they are decision makers that are making their decisions with sort of wellness, with a conscious. Mm. You know, what what effect is this going to have on other communities and right. those around me? It's it's really exciting to see and experience firsthand. Uh, now, I'm not saying he is interested, but would you encourage your son to become an architect with all that you've uh, gone through? <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> he, he surprisingly doesn't uh, have not much interested. of an artistic uh, uh, sensibility, but he has a big heart, and I think he's going to be involved in the social sciences. So, oh, okay. I mean, uh, but if he was interested, would you encourage him or discourage him? That's a that's a loaded question, <laughs> you know, and it's really the good, bad, and the ugly. Yeah. You know, I would just be painfully honest about uh, the whole. Because uh, you know, some dads, it's like they want their son <laughs> to follow in their footsteps, take over the business, and others are like, "No way, you're not doing what I'm doing." You're like, oh, <laughs> well, wonderful, Bob. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate your honesty and your openness. Um, if people want to learn more about your firm and the work that you do, where can they go to find out more? Sure, take a look at our website. Um, it's very provocative. It's www.rdh-rdh.com. 
rdh-architects.com. Uh, rdh-architects.com. Yes. Wonderful. And they can get in touch with you through there? Yes, they can. Okay. Wonderful. Wonderful. And you, um, I remember looking on your site, you had a, a video that was quite interesting of, of, of uh, uh, an apartment that you had done here <laughs> in Manhattan. Um, and, and it was really one of the great things because, you know, Manhattan spaces at such a premium and it, it was like every little thing like folded away, disappeared, opened up. Um, what was it like to work on that project? I just want to know in the last couple of minutes. Well, it's interesting. My wife's half Chinese, and if I were to waste ah. a one square inch, see, mine's full Chinese. Yeah, oh, see, yeah. Uh, and there's a resourcefulness, right? Yes. That's in their DNA. So pra- pragmatism. Exactly. Yeah. You know what was interesting is we really did try to create these multi m- multiple usable spaces. So we had uh, a storage compartment below a raised floor. And it was a tea table that folded down and became a playpen for my son. Drawers pulled out of that recess in the floor. And so it was both practical and multi-purpose. And so we're learning, especially in the urban environment, to create these dualistic pieces right. you know that serve more than one user group at different times. So right. yeah. And it was also very, I thought, simple but elegant. Uh, that's, 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 that sounds like a lifestyle. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I like that. Elegant. Yeah, it was wonderful. Well, well, thank you so much, Bob. It's been a pleasure having you on the show. I hope you enjoyed yourself. Oh, it's been fantastic. Wasn't Sam. too tough on you, was I? Oh, no, no, it was ah, great. Okay, <laughs> cool, cool. Um, so, everybody, thank you for listening. Coming up next, of course, your favorite uh, track and field coach turned actor, Kevin Barbaro, uh, with his show, Coffee Talk 3.0. Um, and of course next week uh, coming on I actually have a very interesting woman next week Robbie Holtz who uh, worked with Aboriginals so she's going to talk all about their sacred ceremonies for awakening and for healing so I hope you will uh, uh, tune in next week uh, for those thank you for listening and we'll talk to you real soon Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. Are you stuck in your business or career? Trying to take your business to the next level and it keeps hitting a wall? This is Sam Leibowitz, the Conscious Consultant. I will help you get to the root cause of your abundance issues and help move you forward in your life. Call me now and let's create the future you dream of. 212-721-8183. That's 212-721-8183. The Conscious Consultant, helping conscious people be better business people. Have you ever decided to reinvent yourself? Are you navigating a new life's journey? Are you an aspiring artist that's looking for direction? This is Kevin Barbaro, and my new show, Coffee Talk 3.0, is your new best friend. Tune in live to hear successful professional artists and their inspiring real-life adventures Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern, right here at TalkingAlternative.com. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network at www.talkingalternative.com. Now, broadcasting 24 hours a day. Talking Alternative. Have you ever considered consulting a roadmap when you feel you need help getting to your destination? When the normal path seems blocked, a little help can come in handy when choosing an alternate route. Your natal chart is a map of your potentials. It addresses relationships, finance, business, health, and above all, creativity. Current planetary cycles can either support or challenge your objectives. I'm Montgomery Taylor. If you would like to explore the help of a private astrological reading, please contact me at monty at montytaylor.com. That's monty, M-O-N-T-Y, at montytaylor.com. 
I'm the aptly named host of Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio, big nonprofit ideas for the other 95%. Fundraising, board relations, social media, my guests and I cover everything that small and mid-sized shops struggle with. If you have big dreams and a small budget, you have a home at Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio. Fridays, 1 to 2 Eastern at TalkingAlternative.com. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. 